was a self-described self-help junkie. Searching for answers in books and seminars and retreats and gurus and nothing worked. Nothing made my life perceivably different. And then I woke up. I realized the journey to my best life wasn't in some five-step program. It was inside of me, right here, right now. The Last Self-Help Podcast is a guide to tap you into your highest self, your inner being, where all the guidance and direction and understanding awaits. Join us to find the guru in you. My name is Ray. And I'm Debbie Ann. We're not your gurus, but this is The Last Self-Help Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to The Last Self-Help Podcast. I am your host, Ray. And I'm Debbie Ann. And we're so glad that you're here today. So why is it The Last Self-Help Podcast or book or event? We're, we're all in on The Last Self-Help because we really believe and know and have seen in our own lives that our answers live within us. And this is an opportunity to uncover any of the noise and what we'll talk about today, the belief systems that prevent you from hearing your wise one that lives so beautifully inside of you. And there is opportunities abounding for us to learn more about how we do that. What is that internal journey and how is it that we can more fully know the truth of who we are and what we're here to express so, Debbie Ann, why is it this last self-help to you? Well, we want to wean everyone off of external sources. We want to stop the giving away of power to so-called gurus and um, find that we're actually all gods within and figure out how to do that in a practical way. I love things that. things happen. <laughs> and think about the money we'll save. <laughs> right. All those seminars and courses and books. <laughs> I mean, it's okay to be inspired. You can certainly be inspired by people. We love to be inspired by um, great teachers, but really knowing what is yours to do and your answers are not going to come in anyone else's five steps. Um, it's really going to be your own internal process. And in this podcast, we're going to take you on a journey that we've done ourselves to really excavate what is the process um, for how we learn who we are, what we're here to do. And we're going to talk today about how reality is constructed through whoa, our, whoa, whoa, take a <laughs> moment. It is constructed <laughs> through our belief systems. And to start that off, we're going to tap into some pretty amazing teacher and a channeled uh, extraordinaire, Bashar. Debbie, tell us a little bit about Bashar. Well, Bashar is a channeled entity, so whether or not you believe in that doesn't matter. You can pay attention to the content and see how it works. And Bashar teaches us that beliefs are actually entities. They're actually things. They're, they're non-physical things. They're not things you can touch and see with your you know five senses, but they are actual entities. This so is kind trippy. of like Ghostbusters. Where yeah, kind of. <laughs> I mean, it, this is a, a mind-blowing idea, actually, that your belief, you know, things you believe in. Like if you believe I'm not good enough or I'm good at that, I'm not good at this. Those are actually like little, I think of them as clouds around you, little blobs of energy that are hanging out with you. So a belief is some an idea that you believe is true. I love that. Yeah. And that's, that's the key because it's the truth in the belief that starts to mess with how physical reality shows up. Now we're going to get more into the mechanics of physical reality and go into some quantum stuff. We'll see if we can get to it on this show. It might be another episode looking at some of the, of the work of say Bruce Lipton and sort of understanding the biology of belief. And so if you're skeptical that your belief is actually influencing reality, stay tuned. We're going to cover that in a more scientific perspective. But today we're going to talk more about the metaphysical understanding of how beliefs interact with us, whether we see them or not. Right. And one of the things that Bashar has um, elucidated for me is that the beliefs, they're entities, right? And they have characteristics. So some of their characteristics are that they they convince you to believe that they're not a belief. <laughs> they're tricksters in a way because they like hanging out with you and they don't want to go away. So they cover up. So we, we tend to believe, right, that things that happen in our life are just outside reality. 
that's just the way it is. That's just the way life is. But it's actually not true. Everything is really negotiable. It's just that it's hard for us to understand that because we share beliefs with so many people. Right. And when we see other people believe the same things, we say, oh, that's not a belief. That's the truth. But it's not. It's not, too. So this is interesting to kind of look at beliefs in, in sort of more of a bucket. Like there are there are beliefs that serve you. Sure. That you really don't want to get rid of, like the sun's going to come up tomorrow and love is the is the answer. And a lot of the belief systems that serve us and really what we want to look at is the belief systems that are not serving us, that are limiting our understanding of what we're, we're capable of. Right. Well, my understanding is all beliefs are limiting, but some are in your to your advantage. Ah. So, I mean, you could have a belief that um, things are working out for me which is a wonderful belief. That was Jerry Hicks' favorite affirmation. Yes. Everything's working out for me. And that's wonderful, but it's limiting in the sense that if you believe everything's working out, then things w- can't not work out. <laughs> <laughs> that's a right. little catch-22 there. Well, it, yeah, it's good, but it means that you're in charge. Right. So uh, the old Florence Scovel Shin literature, it was an example. Um, a guy said, I, I always miss a car, meaning like a, a ride, a taxi. And his daughter said, I always catch a car. And they had those exact experiences. So it's their belief that causes the differences in experience. So really beliefs are not positive or negative, you know, aside from our interpretation of how they're right. serving us. Exactly. Or you could say the positive ones are maybe in alignment with our higher self. Yeah. Or our soul, what it wants for us, which is all the goodness. Yeah. And then the negative ones are the ones that are go against that, you know, a belief that I'm not good enough. Source doesn't agree with that. Right. Well, I think also like everything, it's vibration, right? Right. So I think certain beliefs have a vibrational tone, right? Exactly. This is what Daryl Anko and Bashar were telling me. They have a vibrational signature. Signature. Unique a frequency that is uniquely assigned as if it were coordinates in a grid. It identifies exactly that belief. And there are systems of beliefs. There are beliefs that are similar, that sort of hang out with each other, that are connected, related. So you can expose one (laughs) as a fraud. (laughs) You can exfoliate that belief (laughs) off your your person. Spiritual skincare. (laughs) (laughs) You can um, be done with a certain belief and then still feel a little weird about the subject because there's a similar related belief still intact. Okay. So it can get a little matrixy, right? Yes. Where we start to go like, where do I begin? But here's the good news is that the beliefs are inside your thinking and your feeling tones. So they're so oftentimes the way to kind of the puzzle, the puzzle pieces or the breadcrumbs to follow is really from a micro to go macro, right? So let's start with the thought. Let's start with where our thinking is and what the emotions might be that are attached to that thought. And from there, perhaps see personally a belief that we might hold. Is that a way in? That's a way in. Uh, It's kind of reverse engineering. Right. Because the belief generates the thoughts, feelings, and the behaviors. So it's deconstructing in a way. We're like deconstructing the Sunday, right? Right. It looks all together. I love deconstructed food, don't you? When you get like a deconstructed something, I'm always excited about that. (laughs) (laughs) I can't go wrong with a deconstructed something. Right. But it gets to the components that pull together as a single entity, but really by, by sort of reverse engineering from the thought to the belief, we start to realize, oh, wow, I've got those kinds of thoughts all over the place. And that's limiting my ability to let in what wants to come in the truth of who I am, capital T, which I think I like to refer to as that ultimate inner being, higher self, really what's behind the last self-help is that we know truly the wise one lives within us, but there's some noise. Right. There's a lot of misinformation that we've been taught by other humans. God bless them. You know? <laughs> all doing our best. Yeah. All doing their best parents, uh, teachers and others. So the very idea that there are these things called beliefs and they create our reality, that's the first step to like, oh, can you entertain that? Because it moves you away from just being tossed around in a sea of reality that you have no power over when you realize, oh, this is coming out of my consciousness. Mm -hmm. Even the physical things in my world are related to my consciousness. Whoa. So, um, and having that sporting attitude, having fun with this and just saying, wow, let's find out. And that's what Daryl Anka in the interview that we're going to play, he was telling me because you adopt a kind of curious 
attitude instead of being feeling like life is accosting you <laughs> you can feel like oh i know this stuff's all coming out of my beliefs so let me investigate and figure out how i can shift it that's the power it. and it's all personal right these are not big theories that you can ponder that's great right. but what we want to do is take it to the nitty-gritty take it into the trench right take it into the personal experience and how this can alter how we are in the world and what shows up most importantly so let's play a little bit of the beginning of that interview again this is debbie ann talking in person Wow. To Daryl Anka, who channels Bashar and has been channeling for over 30 years, this amazing entity. So again, don't get caught up in the channel part. Just listen to the information that comes through. And this is Daryl speaking about what Bashar has been teaching him. I'm here speaking with Daryl Anka, channel for Bashar. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, we're familiar with Bashar's, um, you know, belief work and definition of beliefs and mm -hmm. how to um, how to work with them and how they operate as an entity. And I was curious, have you had success in applying Bashar's information personally? Have you had stumbling blocks with that? How do you find this? Um, yeah, I mean, early on, of course, it was challenging to understand the information and learn how to apply it. But in doing so, I always found that it worked. It made things better. Uh, it made things clearer about how reality works. Um, and every time I apply it, it always works. So I understand it literally as a formula, as an instruction manual uh, about how reality is constructed and how it can be um, utilized. Um, that's what I really appreciate about his information is he's taking metaphysical concepts and grounding them into very practical, applicable formulas that create an effect in physical reality. So yeah, my life has changed tremendously in the application of it and in learning to do so more automatically. Um, because once you start figuring out that it really works, it just really doesn't make sense to do anything else. Everything else would become a struggle to do it in a different way. So it my, made my life much more uh, smooth uh, in terms of manifestation, creation, a tremendously larger amount of synchronicity in my life um, in almost crazy ways, you know, that are just really magical. Um, so I definitely get the feedback that it works and I get the feedback from other people as well. That's one of the most gratifying things about doing the channeling is when people really understand the principles and apply them and get the effect that changes their lives in positive ways and come back and say, oh my God, this really worked. And, uh, you know, my life is so much more positive now, so much more whatever now. Um, that's very gratifying. And, and that's really one of the best rewards of doing the channeling is that it's information that people can apply to change their lives in positive ways. Great. And, you know, when you're working with a belief, sometimes and Bashar explained how it has sort of a bag of tricks. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes it can feel like it's the truth and it sort of clouds out. There's that little right. maybe pinhole of light mm -hmm. that hopefully you become aware of, but there are times when you just feel um, engrossed by the belief mm -hmm. and sort of tricked by it in a way. <laughs> yeah, but if, you know, the thing that he's talked about too is once you really start understanding that the only thing that's happening is the result of something you believe to be true then you have kind of the skeleton key because you know that it's not really so much a fact as it is a belief. And that alone can help start unlocking you from whatever kind of an experience the belief may be creating. Because you can always take a moment if you are willing to have the discernment and honest self-investigation and responsibility for what's happening in your life. You can always find that there's a moment you can say, okay, wait, stop. What's happening here? Do I prefer what's happening here? How would I be experiencing it this way if I didn't believe something to be true? And you can start finding out what that belief is and start working with it. That's what those moments are for. When you find yourself engulfed in something, if you feel overwhelmed, if you feel something's out of alignment, the point is to stop and take that moment and actually own it and say, okay, I'm creating this sensation with something I believe to be true. What would that be? Mm -hmm. Now you've got something to work with. Now you have something you can unlock. So it's about being willing not to rush past that moment, not to ignore it, not to suppress it, but being willing to stay in it 
and say, okay, this doesn't feel like the way I want to feel, but I have to take responsibility for my part in creating it. Even if some other people are involved, it's still your responsibility to how you respond and react. Because as Bashar says, it's not so much about what happens, it's about what you do with what happens that makes the difference in your life. So if you're willing to examine your reason for experiencing it the way you do, then in a sense, you almost don't have to really worry about why other people may be experiencing what they're experiencing. It's giving you an opportunity to understand why are you experiencing it this way um, and then find out what the belief has to be in order for you to be experiencing it the way you are. Um, so it's about living in those moments, staying in those moments and realizing that there's nowhere more important to be at that moment other than what's happening and figuring out what's happening so you can use it to your advantage to become more of who you prefer to be as opposed to continuing to have those kinds of reactions. Because as Bashar is saying, in a way, if you're really choosing the state of being you prefer and you know that every single circumstance can be used positively or negatively, then it doesn't really matter what happens. Because if you know you can always get a benefit from what's happening, then you don't react to the situation. You respond to the idea of why is it happening this way? And you learn from it and you move on as opposed to getting into this, you know, well, poor me, something's wrong, I'm a victim, yada, 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 which only keeps you in the state where you're not able to really grow from it. You're just sort of diminishing yourself and invalidating yourself and judging yourself for having created it and you're not moving forward. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Let's unpack that. Okay. Shall we? Cause there was so much there. There's so much there. And you know, what is another way of looking at this is beliefs are like assigning meaning to something. So if something happens to you and you're upset and your mind is saying, well, this means that. Because everything <laughs> really is benign when you come from a... Or meaningless. It's or meaningless. just blank. Yeah. It's blank, plain vanilla right. world. But we're adding everything to We're deciding to it. that it means something to us. That's right. what a belief That's is. That's an important component to this reverse engineering, is to understand that nothing really has inherent meaning but we are adding it to it with our perceptions. And that's why these beliefs are so, so important to understand because we're coloring with a certain pencil and we're wanting to change colors, but we don't understand there's more choices, right? We're just stuck with this orange. <laughs> right. Yeah. So unraveling it, like we said, um, deconstructing, like let's take a practical example. Like you're at work and you think you're getting a promotion and then you go to a meeting, you find out your coworker got it and you've been, tossed aside and you're feeling very upset, right? And this could be rooted in a belief that you acquired when you were a little kid that says, I'm not important. You know, it, it happens all the time. And it's not to blame your parents or anything, but these beliefs are acquired. He talks about this in the interview a little later, but <laughs> yeah, it, it's just having that wherewithal to say, oh, this, this is happening to, me, happening to me and it kind of sucks right now. However, I'm not the victim of it. It's because there's something, there's a, there's a hitch in my consciousness somewhere and I'm going to find it. And it's serving you in that moment. So nothing is out of order because mm -hmm. you wouldn't That's be big. experiencing it unless it was up for you. So first of all, it's like, don't beat yourself up. That's number one. Please never do that. Never do that. <laughs> and number two, it's like really understanding that this radical responsibility is the key to freedom. Yes. This radical responsibility is not a way to, you know, beat you up. It's actually a way for you to get out of jail free. You know, it is that opportunity to go, wait a second, let's see what's going on here. Not because I'm bad or I'm, you know, less than, but because this is an opportunity for me to see how much more room I have to be who I am, how much more room I have beyond this circumstance. Because this idea of radical responsibility, I think is a key part of the last self-help movement, right? Because you have to take responsibility for what's happening, but not in a blaming way, but as an interesting detective, let's get up underneath this way responsibility is the ability to respond. I love that. So 
that's all we're talking about. We don't want anybody to blame themselves or blame anyone else. We want to move forward because yes. blame just sort of clogs up the machine, you know? <laughs> right. But, but also reacting. Because I think what he yeah. said there was so interesting is that if you can stay in the moment mm-hmm. and kind of get your clues as to why you're feeling this way and what's going on with your thoughts and don't push it off, blame someone, live in anger. I mean, you can be angry. You don't have your short shout, as we like to say, because you're human and this is happening. But yeah. now get interested. Yeah, you don't want to ever stuff down emotions. You want to let them run their course. That's only healthy. But once you, you know, <laughs> once you're done with your temper tantrum, hey, we've all been there. <laughs> right. It behooves you to go, okay, now what beliefs might I have that contributed to this happening? Right. Because the good thing is that you actually can change it. It's not, your mind might tell you, oh, it's all over, game over. No, it can change on a dime. Everything can change really fast. Right. That's the beautiful thing because we're so powerful. So we're finding our power and we're recreating things. Yes. What I love about this and probably one of the tenets of, you know, this last self-help movement in my mind is to really start to understand that nothing is ever really going wrong, but there is an opportunity to think it right. Right. So I think a lot of times, especially us in the spiritual metaphysical world, we tend to do a lot of, you know, beating up because I should have thought better. I should have, you know, I should have done this right. I know better. But I really think we have to understand that everything is serving us. And this comes from a channel, um, Frank Butterfield, who we're going to feature later on in the series, The Communion of Light. Everything is always serving you. You're always in the right place at the right time with the right people for this unfoldment. So I think, you know, when something happens and we're willing to kind of stay on the horse a little bit and not get bucked off with the emotion and kind of ride it out, this is an opportunity to maybe stop Groundhogging Day, this thing that keeps happening (laughs) over and over, right? Yeah. And if you can bring humor in, all the better, because that just lifts you right up out of it. Yeah. And it is personal. Like I recently had this very experience around the concept of debt. I was carrying some debt. And I realized that I was really believing in debt and I was trying to feel better about the debt and I was trying to massage it and know that, you know, kind of doing all these sort of little bit of mind tricks, but I wasn't really getting to the deep root system, which said this exists because I believe I'm indebted. So there was an unraveling for me to really kind of see from the metaphysical standpoint. Again, we're getting a little woo-woo. We're going a little bit down the rabbit hole. Hang hang on. That's what we do. That's what we do. In the metaphysical, one, a, a whole thing cannot owe something to something else. There's a wholeness and a oneness that doesn't allow debt to actually exist in the metaphysical universe. Thank you, Frank. And um, thank you. So it's like there is no spoon. There There is is no no debt. It's not possible. In a wholeness, oneness world. But I participated in the consciousness of debt that is very real on this level of reality, right? There's numbers and checks and balances and pluses and minuses. But I can't solve the problem from the problems level, right? Mm -hmm. I cannot move debt around from the consciousness of debt. Do you see the the catch 22 yeah, here. There's a mind shift that right. happened. So success, success. So, so one would say, but that's irresponsible for not to admit to your debt, claim your debt, work your debt, all the things that we're told with all the books and all this processes, you know, but again, I'm dealing from the wrong channel, right? I'm dealing from right. the wrong place. But you didn't let go of your payments. No. You were responsible in that way, right. in that practical way, but you shifted your mind right. to the place where you said there is no debt. But the payments were showing up to remind me that I still believed in debt, mm-hmm. which is wonderful, right? So now I'm loving my debt in a way that's interesting because now I'm experimenting that when I stop to believe in it, then it has to go away. Because it's only here because of my buying into the system. So I won't go into how I did that. And I worked with actually Tony, who you'll learn, who you'll learn about later on in the series, about how to dismantle some of those belief systems around debt. Well, once I started to really buy into that, and it is a balancing act, I really had to say more times I'm in this energy, this recipe of belief than I'm in the other. It wasn't hundred percent. I think 51% is beautiful, right? Just over half of the time I was really not feeling indebted mm. and thinking indebted thoughts. Feeling and thinking. Yes. Feeling and thinking. That's always sort of the way in around it. And about 51, 52% of the time, 
when I was feeling quite free. Then what happened within a handful of, uh, of months, uh, money flooded in from completely unexpected places to which it alleviated what was then the debt because it could not exist in the face of my consciousness. But not to say that I won't create it again or it might bounce back, but that's okay because I understand what it is now. Like I got, I got my, so I don't want this to be platitudes and sort of this high mountain thinking about metaphysics and, and belief systems. I really want us to bring it down to the personal, which I think is what Daryl did so beautifully in that last segment. Another example of bringing it into the practical, I've worked with women who have a belief that they're meant to be alone. They're not meant to find their mate, and yet they consciously want to. There's a conflict. And that's just a belief. That's not, your soul doesn't usually say, you know, you can't have a mate. You did something bad in a past life. That's a belief in that kind of old school karma. So what we find when we unravel it is there, it's along the lines of it serves you everything serves you. There's usually other beliefs that support that. For instance, feeling that they would lose their identity, they would lose their independence and freedom if they were to be married or in a relationship. So when they unpack it, they realize, oh, I have an ulterior motive and I was using this idea of poor me, I don't get to have a mate, but everything does serve you when you actually look at it. And that's not self-blame, that's empowerment. That's so good because what we have to do is also remember that beliefs served us up until they no longer work for us. That's right. So we almost have to forgive ourselves or whatever, really understanding that at the time those beliefs were serving us, whether we know it or not. We can thank the beliefs, in fact. Yeah. Yeah. I look at them as um, hired guns or um, security guards. They're security guards that we hire to protect us a lot of the time, because a lot of time they are coming from the child mind and fears. Oh, I don't, I don't want to do that because it's, it's going to, you know, not be good for me. We have some belief. So the belief actually serves us by keeping us away from that thing that our child mind thinks is bad for us. Yes. You know, like if we grow up with the idea that um, rich people are bad or bad people, we are going to, until we examine the belief, we're going to keep ourselves from being rich because we, we don't want to be, be bad, bad people. Right. It makes a lot of sense. Well, so, that actually sets us up perfectly for this next part of the interview when you start, when he starts to talk about family systems and the fact that you believed it because it was the only way to survive, right? Which right. is kind of an interesting part of it. So let's, um, let's get back to that. Curiosity. <laughs> Absolutely. You always have to be curious about why is this happening? And that immediately puts you into an investigation that almost alleviates any fear involved that might have cropped up to begin with. So all the negative reactions dissolve in the face of becoming excited and curious to figure out why is this happening? Because you know that you're going to learn something from it that will actually help you in a positive way. And that erases the, the other experience almost instantaneously. Yeah, you have to have the curiosity of a child for whatever's happening. Right. To sluice it. Yeah, not just get caught up in the experience of the energy. Right. It seems like that skeleton key, it's an underlying understanding that almost any thought we have is a belief. It comes from a belief. It, it comes from a belief. I think as a stumbling block for most people is that they mistake a belief for some outside factual reality. Right. And when those other people mirror that, hold the same belief, mm-hmm. they take that to mean, see, it's a fact. It's they don't understand the mechanism. Yeah, the only fact is that everyone believes it. Just because That's the fact. popular doesn't mean it's true. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It doesn't mean it has to be true. Um, so you get to discern what is true for you in the consensus reality being reinforced. But remember, as I, I don't know if he talked about this specifically to you, but the idea is that the belief is just a blueprint. It generates the emotions, the thoughts, and the behaviors that create the experience in order to reinforce the idea that the belief is real. So emotions don't exist in a vacuum. You can't just feel anything without believing something to be true. It would just be neutral. It would just be blank. So the emotions, the thoughts you have, the behaviors you exhibit, and the experience you're having are your clue to trace it back to what would I have to believe is true about myself in this situation in order to have these emotions, these thoughts, these behaviors, this experience. You can always trace it back in the same way that if you have a blueprint and you're building a house and suddenly it's like, well, the builders aren't 
aren't building it the way I really prefer. And they're not using the building materials I really prefer. And they're not building it in the way that I, you know, the style of building that I prefer. And now I'm living in this house I don't prefer. Well, why? Let's go back to the blueprint. Oh, look, the blueprint is not correct because that's the only thing the builders had to go off of. It's the only thing that told them what building materials to get. It's the only thing that told them how to build the house. And it's the only thing that created the way you're living in the house, the experience you're having of living in it. So if you correct the blueprint, everything else up the line has to change with it. So if you correct the belief system, the emotions, the thoughts, the behaviors, and the experience have to go with it. They can't do anything else because everything comes from that blueprint. And a lot of our beliefs were acquired when we were young, younger of as course. children. So of course, and we absorb them telepathically because we have to to survive. It's like you have to buy into what your family is doing in order for them to want to take care of you, right, and keep you alive. So that's a kind of an automatic thing that you're spoon-fed a lot of people's beliefs when you're growing up. And it's only when you start having a mind of your own, you know, when you get older, that you suddenly realize you've swallowed a lot of things that just have nothing to do with what you need to continue living your life. Wow. That's a lot. I love it. That's it. That's really deep because there are a lot of things that we take for granted as just the way life is, just the truth that we can't affect, that we have no power over. And they're they're not true. It's just, it's tricky because we take that agreement to be a sign that this is some kind of absolute rock solid truth that is indisputable. Right. Isn't that sneaky? Oh, it's so sneaky. And I love the blueprint analogy. I think that helps so much in understanding why we would want to spend this time looking at the thoughts and the feelings and leading them back to the, the belief system, because that leads us back to the overall construction of how things are showing up. I think that's a genius way to kind of do it. And I'll, and it makes the, the thoughts and the feelings more interesting. Like you really want to be curious about what's going on. You want to be curious. And as long as you know, ultimately, that everything is serving you, you don't necessarily have to get triggered by the negative emotions, but you can stay curious. And I think the first kind of bastion of curiosity is those first few years in life, maybe zero to six, say, where we um, telepathically, wasn't that interesting, Mm. absorbed belief systems from our family in order to survive. Aren't we genius? We knew that if we didn't absorb these beliefs and make them real and true, we probably wouldn't get fed or loved. (laughs) Or at least we believe that. Right. I mean, we're good at surviving. So we got to give ourselves pats on the back for that, you know, for adopting these beliefs. There there are security guards that keep us safe. Right. They are. And so in a way, I think I, um, I want to know what I'm carrying around in my knapsack of beliefs (laughs) that, that maybe I telepathically absorbed, um, that are no, that are showing up in circumstances today. Like you mentioned, you know, whether you believe you have to be alone or you have to be in debt or money is hard to come by or all those kinds of things that we absorb. And isn't it interesting to begin to look at those one by one and start to see that they like have legs, they have tentacles, (laughs) Right. Tentacles is a good way to write <laughs> tentacles. They're they're kind of feeding into a lot of different ways. Oh, so yeah. let's talk a little bit about, you know, what the process is when we've been triggered by something where something went wrong. We love to call it contrast, right? And we're curious about how our belief systems are participating in this experience, this house that's based on a blueprint. Um, what, what's your process when you're awake and aware and able to do that? Ask questions that you want the answer to. Oh, I like that. Because too often we make statements Mm. and it's closed-ended energy. Mm. So if we ask a question that we want the answer to, what is my belief that caused this? Or what am I believing that's related to this that allows this to happen? And just put it out there. You don't have to answer it. You can't figure this out in the moment. You let the answer come to you. This is slacker manifesting your answers. So your guidance can tell you this, whether it's in a dream, if your mind's too busy during the day like mine, dreams are the best way to get through. (laughs) But it can come in lots of ways, you know, symbols and other people. And um, so get in the habit of asking questions, that curiosity, cultivate curiosity all the time. Just go around asking the questions and let them 
let the answers arrive in their own time. And then you'll start getting it. Ah, okay. It's like following a trail of popcorn. (laughs) Don't you love it? How our inner being broader knowing God source, whatever you want to call it, Jesus (laughs) is really there whispering us, whispering to us, you know, come this way, come this way as we're open and questioning and we're, and we're saying, and we don't really need to know the answer. We just have to be available to the answer. And, you know, for many of us who are skeptical of, you know, how how serious are these beliefs in how our physical selves show up? One of the most amazing studies that I remember reading in college, and this was an abnormal psych class that I took at UCLA, and they studied multiple personalities. And what was so interesting is that as the person moved from personality to personality, people who might not be familiar with that disorder, it's that the person believes them to be multiple things. Remember Sybil from the 70s? That dates us a little bit. (laughs) But the belief is so complete in that disorder that the person completely believes that they are another person. But what's interesting is that the physical body follows that Mm. belief system. So they actually documented uh, a multiple personality person switching beliefs and the eye color changed as they moved from one person to another because one person had blue eyes and another person had brown eyes in their belief system. So if you don't think the physical is following your beliefs, you want to look up some of these studies because they, this is this is not woo-woo stuff. This is hard science. Um, if one personality had diabetes and another one did not, the blood sugar would then uh, would match up to someone with diabetes versus not based on the transition in the moment from one personal personality to another. So. Wow, that is amazing. And the only thing that was different was it was 100% belief. Right. Right. So that's what the disorder is displaying is that when that person changed to another person, it wasn't like, I'm kind of that person. No, they were a hundred percent unaware of any other personality or any other personage. And that's why the body could follow. That's why the physical could follow. So when we start to believe new systems, and we'll get into that in a bit, when we start to find new beliefs, we got to be all in. You can't, I mean, 51% is great, but really we want to get to 100% where we're no longer entertaining the other structures that led to the other belief system. And that's really interesting. Are we willing to be all in on the new belief? So we now have established that beliefs are real, that we've been carrying them around and that they are very much involved in how the world shows up. And as we start to realize, oh, I've got this belief Well, in a way, we don't want to dumpster dive. We don't want to go into why do I believe this and how come and what more. We actually want to say, all right, what is the opposite of that that I'm asking for? What is it that I want? And what is the new belief? So how do we now Mm. establish a pattern of believing in the new and letting and, and thereby abandoning the old? Right. And it's a process sometimes. That's why, you know, you got to 51% and then it took a few months. Yeah for that debt to disappear because you weren't at 100% right away. So I think the time experience is related to how much we can get behind it. And it can be tricky, but if we allow ourselves whatever it takes, you know, just know where we're headed, that helps tremendously. We're not floundering. I know where I'm going with this. I'm not quite ready yet, but I'm getting there, you know? (laughs) Right. And sometimes the new belief can pop up as something kind of general, initially, which is great because it kind of gets you into the new vibration. Remember, we were talking about each belief has a recipe or tonality, a signature. So we're going to start to change our signature. And oftentimes Mm. the belief, um, what you do want versus what you have is very easy to see. Like if, you know, you can see, oh, I want actually the opposite of this. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to feel the opposite of this. And so you can start to, you can't really uh, jump the Grand Canyon. You know, you can't go from momentum for all these years, believing one thing and then over a moment, unless you have multiple personality disorder, in which case you can, but we don't want to go there. (laughs) That's not a pill we want to take. Right. So we have to kind of be patient with, as Abraham often says, the train's been going in one direction, a hundred miles an hour. We don't want to just immediately try to turn it. The, The contents of the train will suffer, right? Right. We want to slow it down. And then begin to pay more attention to what we want to believe, because that's also fiction as well. I mean, it's not like we're turning away from a wrong belief 
going to a true belief. No, we're, we're going from the unpreferred toward to the preferred. preferred. Right. So <laughs> just having that knowledge that we can do this, yeah. the beliefs are powerful, we can change them, and we can set a target, and we can give ourselves support and compassion en route. I mean, that's huge right there. And then self-help is there to inspire you, but not to fix you, because there's nothing wrong with you. It, because if, even if you haven't been able to turn that train around or that ship around or whatever until now, that doesn't mean anything's wrong. It just means divine timing is, is in order. And there's more. There's so more always to be more. had. And I, so I think that process is really interesting. When we first wake up to the belief that we're living in because of the circumstances and emotions and feelings we're having. Secondly, identify that there's something else that we want to believe. I don't want to believe in debt. I want to believe that all things are taken care of and I'm prosperous, right? So we move into that. And then I think what we want to do is two things. One, start to gather evidence for that other belief, because if Mm -hmm. you turn your attention to it, chances are there is lots of evidence to the contrary, right? There's evidence to the new belief that you've not entertained. That's right. And the consensus won't show you those outliers, those interesting anomalies that you need. Your mind needs that sometimes. At least mine does as yes. a former engineer, <laughs> recovering engineer. Evidence. I, I, I need that. I want to latch onto that because that makes sense to me that somebody else was able to do something that's different from the mainstream. Yeah. Doesn't that always trip you up? It's like if even one other person on the planet made it happen, that means Beliefs. there's room. There's room. So when yeah. you start to gather evidence for the opposite, that's one trip. And then the other is you really got to drop the mic on the other one because th- that belief is going to continue to go, wait, don't lose us. We helped you survive. There's a little bit of a, a desperation in that belief, thinking that it is here to serve you. But but it really is an opportunity for us to focus and control our mind and just say, thank you very much but I'm no longer playing in that field. Thank you for serving me. Don't want to push against it. But what happens when we ignore something? It simply shrinks and goes away. So there's an ignoring of the old belief and a gathering evidence for the new. That feels like practical for me. Yes. It's kind of like child rearing or raising a puppy or something. You're best distracting it with something else, right? Don't say, no, no, don't do that. Look over here. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) oh, look at this shiny thing over here. It works with our minds too. (laughs) I love that. And that feels grounded to me. That doesn't feel airy-fairy. It feels like, okay, well, next time I'm feeling something that I don't want to feel and I'm willing to stick with it and I'm willing to excavate to see where that belief is coming from. One thing that I like to do a lot that Abraham taught me that was so beautiful was anytime you're feeling a negative belief, it's in opposition to where your source in your inner being, your inner knowing, your wise one is, 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 is hanging out. Mm-hmm. So in other words, when you feel a negative response to something, the reason it feels negative or low emotions, low vibing emotions is because your inner being is looking at that situation in the exact opposite way. Right. Right. It's a gap. I love that. So yeah. Here's an important question. How, how do you know the difference between glossing over a belief and just shifting to a happy thought versus when you actually need to go and look at that belief and root it out? It's a very common question. It is a common question. (laughs) And I have to discern within myself when I have realized what the belief system is and I got clarity, I no longer need to dumpster dive there. So I know the beliefs and you know them, right? When they come up, not that again, then you ignore. Mm-hmm. But if you still haven't gotten clarity as to why this is happening or what you have, then there's more juice. There's more huh. juice there. Very but, good. Right. But there's a point where all the juice is wrong and now it's just a habit. So in other words, if you're experiencing the the result of a belief, which is negative emotion, um, unwanted behavioral patterns and thoughts that are not supporting you and you don't know why and it's like Groundhog Day, then it's time to to look, to take a look under the hood and see what beliefs are causing it, maybe how you acquired them. But if you already know what they are and you're just it's just an echo from the past and mic you say, oh, thank you drop. very much, move, mic it's, drop. <laughs> mic drop, it's clear. You got to drop it. You got to drop it. And I think oftentimes when uh, when I'm teaching this, People constantly want to go back and yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but and and again, it's it's a discipline. 
it's a discipline and it is like the hundred percent. I am not that anymore. Mic drop. And it takes a while because at first it's going to feel tinny, right? Mm -hmm. It's not going to feel true to who you are because you haven't practiced that, but you got to hang with it. You got to hang with it and continue to refuse to let the mind go back and, and, and go into that whole, you know, again, the dive of why it's here. We have this kind of tendency, this habit to want to justify why we are where we are, where that doesn't change the mechanics of it. You don't get a ribbon for figuring out and justifying your victimization. <laughs> you just get to well, be a victim. <laughs> well, the ego feels temporarily better. But, temporarily. <laughs> but what you just said is so huge because I think that defines why so many people are not getting results simply um, following Abraham's instruction because there are things that maybe need a closer look as to why they're happening. And um, it behooves you sometimes to explore the beliefs and to root them out yeah. and to bring them into the light of day so you can see them. And I, my experience with beliefs is that once you see it, oh, that's pretty much it. You, you don't have to play. You don't have to do any fancy tap dance. You don't need to be hypnotized and have your subconscious mind programmed. You just have to see what's going on. Once you see it, you go, ah, oh, I know why. I know what I was believing. I know why I was believing it. And now I'm free. Yes. And it is what you said that it does tend to come back out of habit because it's used to that belief has been hanging out with you for a while. And it's just going to come back like a stray dog that gets fed, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. And it's going to, and, and, and you stop putting that right. food out for that stray dog and eventually it's going to go away. I mean, I don't mean to be mean to dogs. You know what right. I mean? It's, yes. just, it's just a <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> but what I, what a really clue, a good clue is the negative emotion that you're feeling. Like um, sometimes you get an email, right? And somebody is blaming you for something and saying mm. you made this mistake and you immediately feel defensive, Right. That's a wonderful emotion. Right. Like you feel defensive. You might even feel an adrenaline rush. Yes. Like you're being attacked. Yes. Like, and it is a little bit of a survival mode. I mean, we're talking sure. about serious emotions here, but when you know that that is tied to a belief that you've worked on like mistakes and failures are bad, which is a belief system that many of us pick up early right. on. And you realize that that defensiveness is a blueprint for that belief system that mistakes and failures are bad, then you can stop the cycle and actually say to yourself, oh, there's that again. I'm not allowed to make mistakes. I'm not allowed to make have a failure because that's a belief that says when I do that, I no longer exist. But I have now cultivated the fact that mistakes and failures are good because if you look at anything that's ever been created in the universe, it came with a lot of mistakes and failures prior to it launching to its beautiful state of presence, right? So that's why this new belief is that mistakes and failures are good. They're good. They're showing. They're moving. So now when I look at that email with my new glasses on, my new mistakes and failures are good, I have a totally different emotional reaction to it. I can right. see this is a creative moment. Yeah, beliefs are like that. They're like glasses or, or filters through which we perceive our reality. Oh. And that's a sneaky part because they yeah. generate the reality in the first place <laughs> and then they reinforce it <gasps> by creating over and over again things that match them. So we think it's really true after a while, the repetition of it. We, But I, I just want to say to everyone listening, just about everything is ne renegotiable. There's very little about this world, this existence, that is of rock solid truth. Yes. I mean, Bashar has a few rules. Like, you exist, <laughs> you know, basically. <laughs> Other than that, you know, it's all a few up. more, but, you know, it's really all your, basic. It's your, sand, it's your sandbox. But this really trips into something, Debbie Ann, that I think you and I hold, is that the reason we even do this work, the reason we're even talking about the last self-help podcast or book is because we see that there is a lot of suffering that's unnecessary. Yes. It's not suffering that's leading to something, but it is a repetition of an old system that no longer works. It's old technology, right? We see people trying to get on the internet with a dial-up. 
Yeah. And we see the pain. Yes. And the anguish as they see everyone else having high speed, right? Right. And so what part of this too is is the reason we do this is because it is an opportunity to unplug unnecessary suffering that we all do on a personal and a global level that we can clean up. That's unnecessary. It's not feeding anything. And so I think that's like a really good poignant moment to say you're doing this because you're probably suffering more than you need to and that there's a whole lot more fun on the other side of that belief system where you could feel the momentum and the energy of source which is a heck of a lot more fun so before we end the hour let's go ahead and listen to the rest of this interview with daryl anka who is channeling bashar yourself of what you don't need to find out what you actually need for yourself it's total empowerment because there's no place for blame, no place for blaming parents. It's uh, it's understanding why you would take on those beliefs, how they served you, sure. and then saying, well, I want to do something different now. Exactly. You can recognize the connection of the fact that the belief might have come from them, but that's not a blame issue. It's just a recognition of where you bought it. Um, and then you can just return it. Right. <laughs> you know, you just say, okay, this is not something that I need at this point in my life. That was their issue. It may still be their issue or not. But really, the only way to honor them is becoming who you truly are. Whether they believe that's true or not is not your issue. So it's about also having the discernment to learn the difference between what are your issues and what are other people's issues. Because you can't be responsible for their beliefs, but you can be responsible to them by being who you are. And that is really the most loving thing you can do because then they get to know who they're in a relationship really with. If they don't want to continue to be in a relationship with you, that's their choice. But by showing them the consequences of their choices, by not getting to be in a relationship with who you actually are, they have to then be presented with the option of, do I want to continue to have a relationship? Yes or no, which means then they would have to change their beliefs to do so if they wish to continue to have a relationship with you. It's the most loving thing you can do because you're then by example showing them who they're actually in a relationship with. If you keep living someone else's belief systems, they're not in a relationship with you anyway. They're in a relationship with someone other than you. And that's not honest. So... Right. And if you believe you can't be honest, that's just a belief to look at as well. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because again, all you're saying is I'm giving my power away to someone else who's telling me they know how I should live instead of knowing who I am and what that means in terms of my life. And then people are in what appear to be relationships, but they're not really in relationships with one another. Truly, they're in relationships with who they think the other person is supposed to be. And that's a false relationship. Wow, that opened up a whole new topic for us to talk about relationships and how these belief systems feed into how we interact with one another. Yeah, that's another whole episode. That is a whole other episode. (laughs) So we'll end this hour hoping that you heard something here today that you will recall throughout your week and weeks to come that will help you in really understanding that there is nothing wrong with you. And there is nothing going wrong in your life. There's everything right with you. There's everything right. And through these steps, there's an opportunity to stop, recalibrate, and open up to a whole new reality. Yay. And have fun doing it, okay? Right? Because there's really no destination. It's just the journey. I know you've all heard it before. Well, we thank you for joining us on this hour of the last self-help podcast. My name is Ray. And I'm Debbie Andy Rose. And until next time, life is good. We're trying to find our tagline. (laughs) All is well? That's kind of an interesting one. Anything for you? Life is supposed to be fun. That's taken. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll take it for now. See you all next time. Thank you for listening to The Last Self-Help Podcast with your hosts, Ray and Debbie Ann. For more information about the podcast and Last Self-Help events, check out our website, lastselfhelp.com. And follow us at Last Self-Help. Our theme music was composed by Nina Pollock.